Welcome to New Abolitionist Radio. My name is Scotty Reed. In this episode, we are looking at reports out of the state of New Jersey on how the COVID-19 coronavirus is infecting prisoners and prison staff and also threatens their families. New Jersey reportedly leads all states with COVID-19 related prison deaths. WABC produced a very informative report on how COVID-19 is impacting the prisoner population. And then we will hear from New Abolitionist Radio correspondent Maxwell Melvins, who is in New Jersey, and get his thoughts on some other reports coming out of the state. Well, for families with loved ones in prison, this pandemic has been particularly hard. Seven on Your Side Investigates has heard from dozens of families and from inmates who are worried about whether the states are doing enough to protect them from COVID-19. Investigator Danielle Lee has a story. A lot of us can take measures to protect ourselves from coronavirus into our own hands. But inmates in prison have to rely on the state to put many of those precautions into place. And many family members have been reaching out to us with fears that this coronavirus pandemic could turn into a death sentence for their loved ones. From Fishkill Correctional Facility, where at least 67 inmates have tested positive for COVID-19, I don't want my husband to die. To Sing Sing, where at least 49 have had the virus. The inmates there are all sick. They are human too. And across state lines in New Jersey, at Northern State, where 41 have tested positive, the inmates are getting sick and dying. Families are concerned. I know my brother's not an angel, but at the end of the day, I want him to be okay. Damon Washington is worried about his big brother, who is diabetic and has just over a year left on his sentence. My brother has kids he wants to come home to. We spoke to Damon's brother, Lehman, by phone. Lehman is staying at Northern State Prison, hit particularly hard by the virus. More inmates testing positive there than any other state facility, according to the Department of Corrections. Lehman says he's been largely kept in his cell, released briefly about 10 inmates at a time to shower and make calls. A week ago, we compared coronavirus cases in prisons to those in the general population. And we found between the two states, New York and New Jersey, at least 455 inmates had tested positive. At least 38 had died. Recovery rates across both states weren't equal. In New York, just about 3% of inmates who contracted the virus had died. Fewer than the state's overall death rate, closer to 6%. But in New Jersey, closer to 20% of the inmates who tested positive had died. DeMond doesn't want his brother to be next. It's a catch-22 with that with them in there. In statements, both the New Jersey and New York Departments of Corrections told us they had taken several measures to help limit the spread of coronavirus. Those measures include giving inmates masks or handkerchiefs, modifying inmate gatherings, increasing sanitation standards, and also isolating inmates who test positive as much as possible. Now we're going to turn to our new abolitionist correspondent out of New Jersey, Maxwell Melvins, who is also the founder of the Lifers Group. Max, it's good to speak to you again and see that you're keeping it safe um, during this COVID-19 pandemic. I understand that you got some good news and some bad news for us out of New Jersey. Let's start with the good news first. Well, the good news, uh, Brother Scotty, uh, myself, you know, the Die Jim Crow Project, you know, I've uh, gotten off the phone with uh, the Department of Corrections. Uh, as we sent in about 5,000 into Ohio prison and a couple prisons in Mississippi, 
they allowed us to send in some face masks. Okay. It's very unusual for the inmate population since it's so important. They need these things, and with the budget being the way it is, and they claiming they ain't got the money available, and uh, you know they approved me, uh, you know, the Die Jim Crow project to send them in, and uh, you know that was very exciting, you know, to be able to do something, you know, during this crisis right now. But uh, as you know, that is only a small, small, small fraction of what's really going on and what's really needed in there. You know, so it was and, New uh, Jersey, New Jersey, who is going to allow the Die Jim Crow Project uh, bring these face masks in New Jersey prisons. Absolutely. Okay, yes. and you yes. say you mentioned you did work in a couple of other states as well. That's very commendable, Maxwell. I'm glad to to hear you know that you and and your team over there at Die Jim Crow is doing what you can, man, because that's all we can do is what we can. Exactly. Exactly. And we're doing a fundraiser actually tomorrow, you know, on Zoom, Die Jim Crow. We got some artists going to be featured on there, you know, that's been coming, you know, and helping with that, raising the funds, you know. How can people connect with that online? Well, I will, uh, you know, they can just go to Die Jim Crow. They go to Die Jim Crow. Dot com or dot org? No, DieJimCrow.com. Right. DieJimCrow.com. Connect with that. And they can get the link to come on 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 the Zoom and all. Now I'm hearing some dire news coming out of New Jersey. Um, in addition to a report that I saw come out of WABC, you also sent me about three reports that you know I would like to um, us to share with our listeners and our, our viewing audience. Now the new this is very troubling. Um, this story is coming to that you sent me comes from NorthJersey.com. And they're saying that the New Jersey Department of Corrections has tested only inmates whose symptoms have gotten so severe they need to be hospitalized. That's terrible. Um, let me just read this excerpt. The uh, NewJersey.com reports that the Department of Correction has tested only inmates whose symptoms have gotten so severe they need to be hospitalized according to Sullivan, the president of the state corrections officers union and prisoner advocacy groups. This needs to change, they say, calling for more widespread testing. The group separately on Friday urged the governor to take action and decried a lack of cooperation and communication from the state leadership. As of Friday, as of Friday, 130 inmates had been tested. That's less than 1% of the state prison population, and 19 prisoners have died, although I, I've seen other stories that you sent me that put the figure much, much higher. But statistics published daily by the Corrections Department show at the time of the publishing of this article that 96 inmates had confirmed cases and 445 Correction officers had also tested positive. Two correctional officers working in state prisons have died of the virus, Sullivan said. So, I mean, you know, going back to the um, main headline, they're not testing inmates until they could be on their deathbeds. That's unacceptable. Yes. What, are, what are your yeah, thoughts? Let me, say, let me say this. Uh, you know, it's strange, though, because, you know, people normally hear uh, people who are incarcerated normally hear their cries and that these inmates are making up stories. Right. Right. But that is coming from who? The correction officers itself. Right. So these are the people that work in there. Can't nobody make them false claims that the brothers inside are just making these stories up, you know. But uh, my take on that is, 
you know, as of right now, today, there's been more than uh, 40, as a matter of fact, who have died in New Jersey prison system, uh, which is was high, the most deaths in, this, in, in the country, as a matter of fact. New Jersey has had the highest rate of deaths. And they claim uh, that they're going to start taking the test soon. They're not taking them soon enough, and they just got an approval but they're still taking their time about it. They've gotten approval to go in and say they're going to start testing everybody. And, um, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, they're going to, some of the people, we don't know exactly who's going to be doing the test, but it's supposed to be in collaboration with uh, Rutgers University that okay. they're going to be going in there doing this testing with. Uh, I'm still waiting to see that. I will believe it when I see it happens. You know, I will actually believe it. But it's not soon enough. Right. Well, Maxwell, also, though, um, these people still should be tested even if they are released prior to coming back to their families and their communities. I feel like uh, the state of New Jersey should make sure and protect, you know, the public health of the prisoners as well as the communities. And and if if people who are pushing like yourself and others for these people to be released, you know, which is kind of, uh, they still need to be tested. They still need to be well, tested. But, but Maxwell, what I wanted to come back to was, you know, you did a segment on New Abolitionist Radio a few weeks ago, and it looked like Governor Murphy was a lot different than a lot of the other governors and like he was being real proactive. What do you think is happening? Where is the breakdown? Well, you know, it's, it's really hard to put a finger on it right now, there, uh, Scotty, because it's just that he's moving a, a little slow with this right now. I mean, as far as uh, releasing anybody right now as well, they've been taking their time about that. They were supposed to, you know, release some of the a lot more prisoners. And I don't know what it got caught up in the red tape or whatever. Or I'm not even sure they figured out how they want to do what they want to do yet. Is that's just my point of view. The man. logistics. I mean it's I I believe it's gonna happen, but they just haven't figured out how to exactly do it. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. And uh but as far as uh you know, you got uh Cory Booker, uh Senator Cory Booker who's pushing right now and encouraging uh, right. uh Governor Murphy to release some of these guys a lot sooner as well, you know, because they're not moving fast enough. Right. Let me share an excerpt from one of, that's a good segue to the piece from NJ.com with the headline, Booker wants Murphy to release more inmates as New Jersey has the highest coronavirus prison death rate. Again, that's the headline from NJ.com. Here's an excerpt. NJ.com reports that U.S. Senator Cory Booker wants Governor Phil Murphy to release more inmates from New Jersey prisons, which now have the highest coronavirus death rate in the nation. At least 37 New Jersey inmates have died of the virus, according to state data, and those deaths likely represent thousands of untested infections behind bars because public health experts estimate the virus kills about 1% of cases. Now, experts have also warned that New Jersey's near-capacity prisons threaten neighborhoods 
everywhere. This goes back to me saying that everybody should be tested. Uh, uh, you're going to keep them in there, test them. If you're going to let them out, test them, you know. Um, but experts are warning that their near-capacity prisons threaten neighborhoods everywhere because prisons can act as reservoirs for epidemic resurgence, incubators allowing COVID-19 to be kept alive and carried outside by inmates and officers. Your thoughts? And my thoughts on that, they are exactly correct because that is a concern. I mean, I would like to see the majority of, uh, of them releasing there, but I mean, how are you going to do that when it's also in the interest of public safety with a lot of them coming out without being tested, you know? I mean, you're going to release them. My understanding is some of the ones that did that they did release, they weren't tested. They just had told them to go home and just automatically quarantine for 14 days. And if you notice any symptoms or something, then report. But that is a great concern right there because that would only spread that more in the community. I mean, I agree. I like to see them do the testing. I mean, I like to also see them release, but I'd like to also see the New Jersey Department of Correction do the testing before they release that. And uh, right. this is, in my opinion, one of the things I think that is taken. They haven't figured out the interest of how they're going to do this. Right. Um, you you don't want to have a, a prisoner test positive and then just send him to his family. You know, that doesn't work. You want to send him to a place where he can be comfortable, whether you, you know, contract, get a hotel for the positive cases or, or, or set up some kind of some kind of other facility where they can be segregated from those who don't or who test negative, but it's irresponsible. And I would say we'll even uh, tempt people to file lawsuits if you just send people home um, and knowing they're positive or not even being negligent and knowing that they just came from a high contagion area and you just send them home to their families. Of course, their family's going to welcome them home. So you could put, you're putting more the community, the neighborhood as the article reference um, at risk. But also, you know, I had a thought that I had expressed on a, a segment of New Abolitionist Radio in the past, but I don't, you know, I'm not, I haven't written this in stone, but I think, though, that it's a risk to have correction officers coming and going from the community, whether they're going to their single home families or whether they live in apartments, wherever they live. I feel like they should shelter in place until the, the stay at home is lifted. It makes no sense to me, Max, if you recall me bringing that up uh, 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 of, you know, playing Russian roulette with the community, never knowing what day these officers might get infected. You exactly you are exactly right, Brother Scotty, because some of their wives have even wrote in to the Department of Correction and telling them that they feared and that they don't want their husbands bringing it home to their children or them. That's a great concern, not just for the public, but for their families as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have these officers going in, in and out. You know, I have a family member, actually, who's a correction officer, and at some point they had told him to pack his bags because he might not be coming out of there for a while. Because when it's a state of emergency, sometimes they go in and a lot of other ones don't come in. You have to stay there in right. a state of emergency. But that didn't happen. So, you know, they just go home to their families and that's putting them at high risk. You know, it's putting the public at high risk. And it's also because they're in and out of the prison. It's a high risk and they're bringing it outside into the community. The corrections officers themselves, giving it to their children, wives and families. Now, our last story that we want to share is a real sad story. And 
of everything we've been speaking about is sad uh, yes. concerning this COVID-19 pandemic and how it's running rampant in the prisons across the nation. And we're focused on New Jersey right now. But Maxwell, you sent me another article from NJ.com um, where a, a inmate, a, per, a prisoner was said to be released from a house, ha- halfway house, a excuse halfway me. House. And die and die before he can even get out. So, according to NJ.com, the last time Bernice Ferguson spoke to her son was March 21st. So that was just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, when when uh, Rory Price, her son, last or, or when she last spoke to no, when he last spoke to his mother, Rory Price told his mother that people at the halfway house he was housed and would soon be released from were sick and coughing. And he was worried. So, you know, a lot of the media that I have seen, and I'm appreciative of like the little local outlets and, you know, any other outlets that, that bring up these prisoner situations, but they're not, we're really not even thinking about the halfway houses and, and what he's describing here saying everyone in there was sick and coughing. Now, the NJ.com articles goes on to say the coronavirus had already infected thousands throughout the state. Back in March and last Friday, six weeks after the phone call, Bernice Ferguson heard from another family member that her son, Rory Price, who, who was at the halfway house, had died at Inspira Medical Center, Vineland, and he was only 39 years old. And his death, um, as you know, angered the family because Maxwell, they was like saying, they weren't getting no information, and it was only through, I guess he was given an autopsy, and it was only through the coroner that they found out that he was COVID-19 positive. Yes, exactly, and, you know, that's the only way that, you know, his family now. What puzzled me about this, this was a low-risk guy that was on his way home, and when you're in the halfway house, it's called a halfway back. you mm-hmm. halfway in the community, you there. Mm-hmm. You really got access to go out to go to medical and everything. And it seemed like if anybody would have been on that list to be released, he's one of the main ones. Right. And, you know, they just let the guys sit in there, man, and they just let the guy, uh, you know, they just let him uh, die, man, just let him deteriorate. I mean, he should have been at the top of the list. He's in the halfway house, you know? I mean, and, it uh, seems so- to me that whole ha- halfway house should have been put under uh, quarantine and, you know, yeah. everybody tested because that's like a hot spot. It sounds yeah. like what he was describing, and now he's lost his life as a result. And and it just speaks to, again, you saying, you know, weeks ago, Governor Murphy had rolled out this plan to start releasing these type of prisoners, but yeah. thus far it's been slow moving, which Cory Booker, yeah. you know, um, has is, is been pushing him on. Um, now, Max, I want to share one last article, because um, Cory Booker is a, a federal a senator out of New Jersey, and back on April the 29th, the ACLU.org website published an article about a federal bill that was introduced in the Senate seeking to free vulnerable prisoners from prison slavery in the face of this COVID-19 pandemic. And they wrote, this is what they wrote, the Emergency Community Supervision Act, S-3579, and its companion bill in the House, H.R. 64. 
hundred was introduced by Senators Cory Booker, again Democrat out of New Jersey, Kamala Harris, Democrat out of California, and Representative Hakeem Jeffries, a Democrat out of New York. This was introduced last month. Now it requires that the uh, uh, Federal Bureau of Prisons to immediately place vulnerable individuals in home confinement or other community supervision outside of the prison. Now the bill identifies vulnerable individuals as those who are pregnant like Andrea Circle Bear, who gave birth in federal custody earlier this month and then died from COVID-19 just a couple of days ago, and those with underlying health issues and those who are age 50 or older. And, you know, Bill Barman has really dropped the ball on this, you know. Uh, he, he is the one who would be the man in charge of the Federal Bureau of Prison. Doesn't that fall under, you know, the Department of Justice? And, and so this is on the Trump administration, you know. Yeah, that is on them. And being that you mentioned that, and strange that you say that, um, in some of them bills, when they put low-level offenders that can go on, like, I'm going to give you, for example, as you have in four dicks, you have uh, 40 who have tested positive there. Mm-hmm. Four dicks, New Jersey. We don't know if they're high risk or low risk, and they stated what the risk factors were of them taking that into consideration, such as nobody that was convicted for a murder or strong, you know, hard crime, hard criminal crime, whether they had... Nonviolent. Who would be the ones that they've been released? Now... The feds have taken some action on that in releasing a few. As you know, the attorney that represented Trump in the hush-hush money deal, he fell under that category and was released, not because he had coronavirus, but was released under that bill. That was his, his personal attorney. I can't remember his name. So you're saying well, he, he was, got out? He was released. Uh, yep, under, the, uh, under the, uh, the, the bill that was just passed, he was one of the ones. Uh, they got out under that. They kept it a little hush-hush, but yes, he's one of the ones. Now, what Trump could do, uh, Maxwell, is something similar other countries have done, like Iran, and just simply commute those federal sentences for those type of uh, low-level offenders, you know? Don't, just, just, let, just cut them loose. Yes. Right the now, president can do that. The president has that power to commute those yes, sentences. But... Being that you mentioned that, Brother Scotty, you're fading out again, Brother Scotty. Okay. Okay, yes, I hear you. Yeah, you were fading out a little bit. And, um, you know, for example, in New Jersey, what they actually did with some of the prisoners, they didn't release them. They actually are only furloughed. So the time that they're out right now is not actually being accounted for. Mm. When they go back in, some of them have to go back in when this is over. Supposedly, I doubt, I think some of theirs will not, some may be commuted, but they were furloughed. So when they report back, that time is not considered as good time because, as you say, they were furloughed into the community. You know, that was the bunch of the first thousand that they had released. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but under that federal bill, that does not, you know, that only uh, applies to uh, federal prisoners, uh, Brascati. Right, right, right. You know, but it's still individuals. We know most prisoners are in the state prisoners, and you're dealing and doing what you can in your home state of of New Jersey. Um, But, you know, we got thousands of people that are also under federal lockdown, and, you know, I think that there should be some more pressure 
uh, from the grassroots. I didn't even know about this bill until today, the Emergency Community Supervision Act. And I keep hearing them talking on, on, on mainstream media about, you know, another round of stimulus funds and, and yeah. business loans and stuff like that. But it seems to me that, you know, releasing these prisoners or pushing through the Emergency Community Supervision Act isn't, isn't a priority for Nancy Pelosi yeah. as the House leader, and it isn't a priority for Mitch McConnell, McConnell as the Senate Majority Leader, or Harry Reid, not Harry Reid, but Senator Schumer out of New York also as the uh, Minority Senate Leader. But Maxwell, as we get ready to wrap up this segment, man, you have any final thoughts and any projects coming up that you want to let the audience know about? The only project that I have is coming up, which is tomorrow, we will be doing a, a, a fundraiser so we can send these PPE masses inside these prisons is, uh, with Die Jim Crow. They can go on DieJimCrow.com and uh, they can check it out. Uh, they can also go on um, also go on Instagram and look on uh, Die Jim Crow under Die Jim Crow and they will see their information. And they will have a few people on there performing and all. But, uh, but Scotty, was something that I wanted to add. I don't know if you noticed it out there right now that they said that's increased during this coronavirus, this pandemic, was the increase of domestic violence in the household yes. has increased. Yes. And, you know, that we should pay special attention to that because when you're closed in and confined, the added stress that it puts on everybody as a whole, you know? Under, it, it puts under, a lot of yes. stress. Nobody can go nowhere. Nobody can do this. People are getting on people's nerves, but they had made a mention of that. Yeah, that's something that's been covered on uh, Victims to Victorious podcast on the Black Talk Radio Network with Angel Fall, the host. Uh, she The program focuses on gun violence as a pandemic, um, but, you know, she's also an epidemiologist, and she's been mentioning, bringing that up a lot about, you know, domestic violence on the rise because of, you know, the, the stay-at-home orders and people being out of work. Um, because a lot of times people would escape their abuser by going to work. And, and now, you know, they're locked in with their abuser. So that is something Black Talk Radio Network has been paying attention to. But thank yeah, you for bringing yeah. it up. While I'm on here, I'd like to give a, a shout out to uh, 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 women who never give up, to Sister Gail Mohammed and them who working out in New Jersey or on the front line, uh, Brother uh, uh, Antoine Tone. You know, he's with women who never give up. They're out on the front line. I'm talking about pushing all this bills down at the state house when we when able to get back out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're working on a lot of things right now. And, um, you know, I just want to – she's been on the show before, actually. Uh, Gail Muhammad from Women Who Never Give yes, Up. Yes, I remember. Before on here. But um, uh, I appreciate, you know, you know, all that you do also, Brother Scotty and uh, – you know, anyone, you know, like look up information on me, they can go to me on Facebook, Max Melvin's, you go to me on Twitter, Maxwell Melvin's, or they can go to my Instagram, Melvin782, to actually see what I'm doing, you know, when I'm doing it. As oh. you know, I might not be able to get out the house physically, but I'm still behind these walls right here doing what I can do, the little that I can do. Right, right. You know? Taking the use yes. of the technology and, and still doing things online, not allowing this to stop any of the advocacy work. But I appreciate you as well, Brother Maxwell Melvins, and we'll talk to you next time. Absolutely, Brother Scotty. Peace, man. Peace. Be safe. 
thank you for watching this episode of New Abolitionist Radio. We ask that if you find the broadcast constructive, please share, like, subscribe to the channels, whatever channel of whatever platform you may be seeing this video or hearing this podcast. Continue to support projects like New Abolitionist Radio by making a tax-deductible donation today to the North Carolina-based nonprofit Black Talk Media Project. 